How's everybody doing? My name is Christian Wagner, and I'm the Militant Thomist. So I've been having some struggles over the last few months. I have I have read a lot of the post-Leonine popes. So Pope Leo XIII, uh, Pope St. Pius X, uh, Pope Benedict XV, Pope Pius XI, Pope Pius XII. Those, these are kind of known as the, the Thomistic popes. And it seems like from their teaching that what they are doing is they are teaching authoritatively that the philosophy of St. Thomas Aquinas is true. And then if you go to, um, for, for example, um, I'll, bring up, I'll bring up this quote from Doctoris Angeliki, which is what I'll be going over today. He says, um, we therefore des- desire that all teachers of philosophy and sacred theology should be warned that if they deviated so much a step in metaphysics, especially from Aquinas, they exposed themselves to great risk. So you have statements like that coming from Pope St. Pius X. And then you go and you read some other statements from them. And this is especially expressed in Fides et Ratio from Pope St. Uh, John Paul II. And you see what he says is that the church does not uh, bind the faithful to a certain uh, uh, philosophical system. You get statements, uh, both of those kinds of statements, from the popes. And this this led to some cognitive dissonance for me. So what is it? Are the popes trying to impose on the faithful a certain philosophical system, namely the philosophical system of St. Thomas Aquinas? Or uh, are they not? And I think that... um, Finally, that I have reached a resolution to this issue um, as I've as I've spent a good amount of time studying it. So the solution was I was reading uh, Jacques Maritain, and he provided an interesting interpretation of the teaching of the church when it comes to the philosophy, especially of St. Thomas Aquinas. And this is that the popes, what they are doing and the church generally, what they are doing, especially in its uh, in its canon law is they are trying to canonize St. Thomas in the sense that the church is teaching um, that the philosophy of St. Thomas Aquinas is true. That is what they are teaching. But because it is a matter of natural uh, philosophy, that they are not trying to bind the faithful because they can only bind the faithful on matters of faith or those things so intrinsically connected to the dogmas of faith that the dogmas of faith would cease to exist. For example, um, the the historicity of our Lord, 
that is a matter of history or or the canon though these are called secondary objects of infallibility and these cannot be denied without uh doing such great damage to a dogma of faith that they would um de facto um eliminate and evaporate those dogmas of faith so uh with with uh, coming coming back to that the the philosophical theses presented by saint thomas some of them uh, which is uh, the the kind of principles of the the great and perennial philosophy of the church. There are certain principles which which are like that. Uh, for example, um, the the church has dogmatized the fact that um, that there is a rational soul and body, um, and that these are so intrinsically connected um, in order to in order that the the soul is the form of the body. This was something which was. Um, I believe, I can't remember the, the council off the top of my head, but that is an example of a philosophical doctrine, which is so connected uh, with the dogma, especially of the incarnation, that somebody could not deny it without uh, impeding upon a dogma of faith. Now, this is not how the church presents St. Thomas's philosophy as a whole. The church presents St. Thomas's philosophy as the whole as something true, but it does not bind uh, with the ascent of faith. So with this with this theory uh, behind it, presenting as something which is uh, safe, something which is true, but something which is not necessary to believe with the ascent of faith, this is how the church is presenting St. Thomas's philosophy, something which is true, but something which is not necessary for the faithful to believe. So the church is presenting St. Thomas's philosophy still in that category of truth, but not in the same degree as, for example, it will promulgate the Immaculate Conception or the Assumption of Our Lady or the, uh, the dogma of the Incarnation and the Hypostatic Union or the dogma of the Trinity. These are in two different classes because one is a supernatural truth and the other is a natural truth, which is not so intrinsically connected to dogmas of faith that it would, um, it would certainly eliminate those dogmas of faith. So that is the interpretation that Jacques Maritain and that father, uh, Gary Goud-Lagrange, uh, present when it comes to uh, generally the principles of St. Thomas's philosophy, especially of the famous 24 Thomistic Theses. Now, there was actually a, an, an encyclical which is attached to the 24 um, Thomistic Theses, where Pope St. Pius X uh, will present and explain what he is doing with promulgating um, these theses. And I think when when we go through, because I'm about to go through that uh, that encyclical, Doctoris Angeliki, with you, you will see that that is the best way of reading that. And that is the only consistent way of reading that and of reading uh, those other um, encyclicals uh, from the popes, such as uh, Studi Studiorum, um, Studiorum, uh, I can't remember the second word, uh, Dor Dorchum, Studior, gosh, my, S sorry, Studiorum Duchum, Stu Studiorum Duchum, <laughs> this was, <laughs> I know, I'm terrible, this was by uh, Pope Pius XI, or um, Attorney Patris, the famous one from Pope Leo XIII, where St. Thomas's philosophy is, um, is presented as something which is true, but something which is not um, of the ascent of faith. So I think when you go through, and then also uh, Fetus et Racha, when you go through these encyclicals and read it, uh, these, these seemingly contradictory statements are cleared up. And you see that uh, 
that Pope St. John Paul II isn't being a modernist and that Pope St. Pius X understands the nature grace distinction. And uh, this provides a sort of um, hermeneutic for reading these various statements from the popes. Now, before I get into uh, Doctoris Angelici, I would uh, I need to tell you a few things, um, add stuff. And also, I'd like to uh, pray the litany of uh, of Pope. Um, uh, the litany, the litany of uh, St. Thomas Aquinas. So there's also a few things in the chat. If Pope Pius X had a discord, his profile picture would be Thomas Aquinas, of course, based. Ola from Spain. Will you have Craig Truglio on the show? Uh, I don't I don't think so. Um, sorry about that. What's up? I'm about to graduate. Oh, Bonaventure is about to graduate. Congratulations, Bonaventure. I'm very happy for you. My, I know my sister's around your age. She doesn't graduate for another four days. Um, why, why are you guys graduating on a Saturday? It seems, uh, seems kind of, kind of lame. Take your weekend out like that. But before we get into that, uh, remember always, if you, if you go into the links below, uh, the first link is going to be of Doctoris Angelici, just in case you wanted to read it later for yourself and, uh, make sure I'm not making stuff up. And then also, you need to know Greek. Greek is extremely important. So if you go to fluentgreeknt.com and use the code militant, you can get 20% off to learn Greek the way that Greek is supposed to be learned. Uh, many of you are going to ask about the intro music. Uh, those links are also below. And then remember always to hit that subscribe button, bell notification. Make sure you do that um, to try to help get the word out. Um, also like, comment, all that to, to just... Um, nuclear uh, bomb the algorithm and become a patron at patreon.com slash militant Thomist. If you would like to help out, get access to more articles, PDFs to books that I reprint and all of that fun stuff. There's also the discord, um, my, my blog website thingy, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. And then uh, to podcasts, if you're interested in way down there below uh, at the bottom, uh, you can get, go to christianbwagner.com slash shop. If you're interested in some of the books, that I reprint, including there are some uh, basic introductory philosophical manuals from the earlier early uh, 20th century by uh, Father Copens that I'm reprinting that are very helpful when it comes to understanding the perennial philosophy of the church that are being presented in these encyclicals. Don't just uh, don't just call your, have the Domox Kruger effect, as <laughs> as Jay Dyer says it. And pretend to be a Thomist, but actually read uh, philosophical manuals to become a true Thomist and to understand all this stuff. So now I'm going to share my screen and we will pray the litany of St. Thomas Aquinas. So Lord have mercy upon us. Christ have mercy upon us. Lord have mercy upon us. Christ hear us. Christ graciously hear us. God the Father of heaven have mercy upon us. God, the Son, Redeemer of the world, have mercy upon us. God, the Holy Spirit, have mercy upon us. Holy Trinity, one God, have mercy upon us. Holy Mary, pray for us. Glorious Mother of the King of Kings, pray for us. St. Thomas, pray for us. Worthy Child of the Queen of Virgins, pray for us. Thomas, most chaste, pray for us. St. Thomas, most patient, pray for us. Prodigy of Science, pray for us. Silently eloquent, pray for us. Reproach of the ambitious, pray for us. Lover of that life which is hidden with Christ in God, pray for us. Fragrant, fragrant flower in the garden of St. Dominic, pray for us. Glory of the friars preachers, 
pray for us. Illumined from on high, pray for us. Oracle of the church, pray for us. Incomparable scribe with God-man, pray for us. Perfect in the school of his cross, pray for us. Model of perfect obedience, pray for us. Endowed with the true spirit of holy poverty, pray for us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Spare us, O Lord. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Graciously hear us, O Lord. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. What I have I in heaven, or what do I desire on earth? That you are the God of my heart and my portion forever. Let us pray. O God, who asked ordained that St. Thomas would enlighten your church, grant that through his prayers we may practice what he taught. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Okay, so let's get into Doctoris Angelici. And I think this also uh, refutes, so I forgot to mention this earlier, but the reason why this is so important is there has been uh, some, some Scotists, sorry, there have been some Scotists recently, um, including Gideon, um, and their theory behind the the sort of Leonine um, and post-Leonine up to uh, Vatican II approbation of St. Thomas and the enforcement in, in canon law of St. Thomas has been a practical issue. So you had modernism, which arose in the 19th century, and the popes, in order to fight modernism, decided that since the theology of St. Thomas had been so well established, that they were going to recommend in all of the schools the theology of St. Thomas for purely practical reasons of um, of owning the modernists. And that it wasn't that they were uh, saying that the that the philosophy of St. Thomas was any better than maybe that of, of the Suarezians or the Scotists or any of them, but that it was a purely uh, practical choice uh, that was due to some of the necessities of the time. And while that theory provides um, some important backdrop to it, I think it, uh, it it definitely begs the question um, of, well, begs the question, definitely brings up the question, um, which um, it, it doesn't uh, seem to interpret uh, a lot of these texts from the popes uh, where they are uh, supporting St. Thomas's philosophy um, too accurately and consistently. And I think the most consistent reading is going to be the one that I put forward. And then it also doesn't, uh, it, it also uh, seemingly ignores the question of why um, St. Thomas's philosophy was brought up. Because if there is, um, if, if St. Thomas's philosophy is able to defeat the modernists, then there is some intrinsic value uh, in his philosophy, which is able to make it better than other philosophical systems uh, beyond a purely pragmatic approach. We're going to see the way in which the popes justify St. Thomas's philosophy, that this pragmatic approach isn't the, the best way of reading these documents. And that's not to say that, um, again, that you can't be a Suarezian or that you can't be a Scotist or even um, a, an Occamist. It's, it's not saying that you can't be those systems, although you, I believe you shouldn't. Um, and I and I would say that these popes putting forth these documents and the magisterium in the general um, says that it thinks that you shouldn't, um, but it doesn't, but it, what it is saying is that it's not saying that it's necessary, but that it's something which is, uh, recommended, set forth 
as something which is true, although not with the full binding force of the Magisterium, because it's not something which the Magisterium uh, has authority um, to promulgate, unless it is so connected with a dogma of faith um, that it would make it unintelligible. So let us begin. So it's the motu proprio for Italy and the adjacent islands to encourage the study of the philosophy of St. Thomas Aquinas in Catholic schools. And this was attached to the famous 24 Thomistic Theses. So let us begin. No true Catholic ever ventured to call in question the opinion of the angelic doctor that the regulation of studies is the special concern of the authority of the Holy See by which the universal church is governed and the need is met by the establishment of the universities. And this is in one of his um, obscula, one of his treatises against the um, against those who would impugn uh, religious, um, religious, uh, what are they called? Um, religious orders. So we have already uh, discharged this great duty of our office elsewhere, more particularly on the 1st of September, 1910, when in the letter uh, Sacro, Sacrorum um, Antistitum, addressed to all bishops and superiors of religious orders, duly charged with the duty of educating young men for the priesthood, we consoled them, counseled them in the first place as follows. So far as studies are concerned, it is our will, and we hereby explicitly ordain that the scholastic philosophy be considered as the basis of sacred studies. And what is of capital importance in prescribing that scholastic philosophy is to be followed. We have in mind particularly the philosophy which has been transmitted to us by St. Thomas Aquinas. It is our desire that all the enactments of our predecessor and respect thereto be maintained in full force. And where need be, we renew and confirm them and order them to be strictly observed by all concerned. Let bishops urge and compel their observance in future in any seminary in which they may be neglect and may have been neglected. The same injunction applies also to superiors of religious orders. So, so far, we don't have really much. Um, we basically have um, the authority of the Apostolic See when it comes to the establishment of programs of studies. So this is um, something which is uh, so far purely practical, that um, this is something which uh, the the Pope has so decided when it comes to the uh, the study of philosophy, that this is what he's going to be uh, setting forth, the, philosoph the scholastic philosophy of St. Thomas. And now he's going to be uh, correcting a certain error. And I believe this certain error is something that a lot of the a lot of the uh, disagreeers of my, the, a lot of those disagreeing with my thesis um, are going to uh, fall into is this, that, um, that Pope St. Pius X is going to correct and that it's going to kind of make the rest of this encyclical to be completely incoherent, to interpret it in light of the thesis that it was something which was purely practical and that it's just referring to the generalities of of scholastic philosophy. Now, because the word we used in the text of that letter recommending the philosophy of Aquinas was particularly and not exclusively, certain persons persuaded themselves that they were acting in conformity to our will, or at any rate, not actively opposing it, in adopting indiscriminately adhering to the, and adhering to the philosophical opinions of any other doctor of the school. So this would include Occam, this would include uh, Suarez, this would include Scotus. So is it um, in accordance to their will 
to um, adopt and adhere to the philosophical opinions of these doctors, even though such opinions were contrary to the principles of St. Thomas. So where they come into contradiction with those principles, they were greatly deceived. So now he's going to make clear what he actually meant. In recommending St. Thomas to our subjects as supreme guide, so supreme guide, in the scholastic philosophy, it goes without saying that our intention was to be understood as referring above all to those principles upon which that philosophy is based as its foundation. Now, what are those principles? What are those principles? Those principles are going to be the 24 Thomistic theses that are attached to this document. For just as the opinion of certain ancients is to be rejected, which maintains that it makes no difference uh, to the truth of the faith, what any man thinks about the nature of creation, provided his opinions on the nature of God be sound, because error with regard to the nature of creation begets a false knowledge of God. So the principles of philosophy laid down by St. Thomas Aquinas are to be religiously and inviolently observed. And notice this statement could um, could actually be misunderstood and to take Pope St. Pius X too far into believing that he is... Um, that he is promulgating these 24 Thomistic theses to be secondary objects of fallibility, something which is so um, intrinsically um, connected with those dogmas of faith to not be, um, to not be uh, uh, true. But, but I think the rest of the encyclical makes uh, my reading uh, more clear that he's going to temper this statement right here because they are the means of acquiring such a knowledge of creation as is most congruent with the faith of refuting all, all the errors of all the ages, and of enabling man to distinguish clearly what things are to be attributed to God and to God alone. They also marvelously illustrate the diversity and analogy between God and his works, a diversity and analogy admirably expressed by the Fourth Lateran Council as follows. The resemblance between cr the creator and the creature is such that their still greater dissimilarity cannot fail to be observed. For the rest the principles of St. Thomas considered generally and as a whole contain nothing but what the most eminent philosophers and doctors of the church have discovered after prolonged reflection and discussion in regard to the particular reasons determining human knowledge, the nature of God and creation, the moral order, and the ultimate end to be pursued in life. So what he is saying is those particular, um, those particular uh, philosophical opinions the only way to interpret this paragraph, I believe, is that those particular philosophical opinions, which are set forth by St. Thomas Aquinas, are to be uh, to be regarded as true. Now, not with the assent of faith, but they are to be regarded as true um, for, for various reasons as he laid out. St. Thomas perfected and augmented still further by the almost angelic quality of his intellect, all this superb patrimony of wisdom, which he inherited from his predecessors and applied it to prepare, illustrate, and protect sacred doctrine in the minds of men. Sound reason suggests that it would be foolish to neglect it, and religion will not suffer it to be in any way attenuated. And rightly because, if Catholic doctrine is once deprived of this strong bulwark, it is useless to seek the slightest assistance for it its defense in a philosophy whose principles are even common to the errors of materialism, monism, pantheism, socialism, and modernism, are clearly not opposed to such systems. The reason is that the capital theses in the philosophy of St. Thomas, and notice he's talking about the 24 Thomistic theses here, 
and the philosophy of St. Thomas are not to be placed in the category of opinions capable of being debated one way or another, but are to be considered as the foundations upon which the whole science of natural and divine things is based. So this is this is the category in which we regard uh, the Thomistic Theses, something which is true. If such principles are once removed or in any way impaired, it must necessarily follow that students of the sacred sciences will ultimately fail to perceive so much as the meaning of the words in which the dogmas of the divine revelation are proposed by the magister, magister, magis, magisterium, I'm just going to say magisterium of the church. And this is really uh, when you get into Lagrange's arguments against the, uh, the Nouvelle Theologie is the Nouvelle Theologie uh, as a whole thought that what they could do is that they were going to take the teaching, the older teaching, and they were going to update it into the language of our time, into the concepts of our time. So they're going to take Catholic dogma and they're going to say, well, it's not too, um, it's not too important that we follow this uh, philosophical underpinning. I mean, those are just language and categories. So we can kind of just phrase it however we want. But Lagrange points out, and Pope St. Pius X points out here, um, kind of anticipating uh, these arguments, that you can't do that. Because what you will do is that you will not even perceive so much the meaning of words in which the dogmas of divine revelation are proposed by the magisterium. That you need uh, not only um, the, the bare concepts, but if you take away the definitions and you take away the philosophical concepts underpinning these definitions and underpinning these dogmas, that you will do damage to these dogmas themselves. We therefore desired that all teachers of philosophy and sacred theology should be warned. So this is a warning. Notice a warning. This is very strong. This is extremely strong language that Pope St. Pius X is using here that cannot be ignored as, oh, this is just a, a practical matter for him, for the difference between Aquinas and the other doctors and the other schools, because he brings up the other doctors and the other schools before and says it's an error to interpret his words as saying that uh, it's just some sort of general principle type thing of the perennial philosophy. No, he's specifically uh, speaking of the Thomistic interpretation of the peren perennial philosophy of the church. They should be warned that if they deviate so much as a step, so how much? As much as a step. In metaphysics, especially from Aquinas, they expose themselves to grave risk. We now go further and solemnly declare that those who in their interpretations misrepresent or affect to despise the principles and major theses of his philosophy are not only not following St. Thomas, but are even far astray from the saintly doctrine. So you're not only not following St. Thomas, but you're going against him and are, are very uh, far astray from the saintly doctor. If the doctrine of any writer or saint has ever been approved by us or our predecessors with such singular commendation and in such a way that to the commendation were added an invitation in order to propagate and defend it. It may easily be understood that it was commended to the extent that it agreed with the principles of Aquinas or was in no way opposed to them. So those magisterial approbations, for example, of Blessed Scotus, or of any other uh, of St. Bonaventure, that's another example. So where their, where their philosophy uh, agrees, to the extent that their philosophy agrees with the principles of St. Thomas Aquinas, that is how much, that is how much um, the, the magisterium is going to commend them. 
but where they disagree with him, they're going to be uh, rejected. So again, very, very strong language. And um, these need to be tempered, um, as, as I had said before. We have deemed it our apostolic duty to make this declaration in order so that the clergy, both regular and secular, may clearly know our will and mind in a manner of the greatest importance and fulfill our desire with the appropriate alacrity and diligence. Teachers of Christian philosophy and sacred theology will be particularly zealous in this respect, for they must bear in mind that they have not been entrusted with the duty of teaching in order to impart to their pupils whatever opinions they please but to instruct them in the most approved doctrines of the church. So notice here, they are allowed to uh, have uh, certain disagreeable opinions. That's completely fine. As we saw above, that there's disagreements with uh, writers and saints that they are putting forth, but the church is putting forward Thomistic philosophy as something which is true, although not binding with that same degree as a dogma. As for sacred theology itself, it is our desire that the study of it be always illumined by the light of the philosophy before referred to. So sacred theology is supposed to be illumined by the philosophy of before referred to. What is that? Thomistic philosophy. How is it being set forth in the Thomistic theses? But in ordinary clerical seminaries, provided suitable teachers are available, there is no objection to the use of textbooks containing summaries of doctrines derived from the source of Aquinas. So um, this is basically going to be the manuals. There is an ample supply of excellent works of this kind. So, but, uh, then he goes over, um, then I'm going to kind of skip uh, in and out here. It's interesting here where he, uh, where he starts to talk about uh, the, how the commentary tradition must be uh, brought out because brought back because it fell into some disuse. And this is a, a kind of, kind of based quote right here. For ever since the happy death of the saintly doctor, the church has not held a single council, but he has been present at it with the wealth of his doctrine. So every single council since the death of St. Thomas Aquinas has taught his doctrine. The, the experience of so many centuries has shown in every passing day more clearly proves the truth of the statement made by our predecessor, John XXII. He, Thomas Aquinas, enlightened the church more than all the other doctors together. A man can derive more profit from his books in one year than from a lifetime spent in pondering the philosophy of others. So notice, spend one year in St. Thomas Aquinas, you'll get uh, more than an entire lifetime of studying modern philosophy. St. Pius V confirmed this opinion when he ordered the feast of St. Thomas as doctor to be kept by the universal church. But inasmuch as by the province of Almighty God, the power and truth of the philosophy of the angelic doctor, notice philosophy, ever since his enrollment among the citizens of heaven, has confounded, refuted, and routed many subsequent heresies, as was so often clearly present in the past, and was lately apparent in the sacred decrees of the Council of Trent. We order that the memory of the doctor, by whose valor the world is daily delivered from pestilential errors, be cultivated more than ever before the feeling of pious and grateful devotion. To avoid recapitulating the many other resounding praises of our predecessors, we may adopt the following words of Benedict the Fourteenth as a summary of all the commendations bestowed upon the writings of Thomas Aquinas, more particularly the Summa Theologica. Quote, Num numerous Roman pontiffs, our predecessors, have borne glorious testimony to his philosophy. We also, in the books which we have written on various topics, 
after by diligent examination, perceiving and considering the mind of the angelic doctor, I've always adhered and subscribed with joy and admiration to his philosophy, and candidly confess that whatever good is to be found in our own writings is in no way to be attributed to us, but entirely to so eminent a teacher. And notice this is a pope. Interestingly enough, this is a pope who is saying this, that St. Thomas Aquinas is who he consults. St. Thomas Aquinas is who he compares his writings to. St. Thomas Aquinas is who he says that his writing uh, derives all of its truth from. So this is pretty darn important, <laughs> to say the least. His philosophy is pretty darn important. So if it's good enough for all of these saintly popes, trust me, it's good enough for you and it's good enough for me. Therefore, that the philosophy of St. Thomas Aquinas may flourish and corrupt and entire in schools, which is very dear to our heart. And that the system of teaching, which is based upon the authority and judgment of the individual teacher, and therefore has a changeable foundation whence many diverse and mutually conflicting opinions arise, not without great injury to the Christian learning, be abolished forever. It is our will, and we hereby order and command the teachers of sacred theology in universities, academies, colleges, seminaries, and institutions enjoying by apostolic indult, the privilege of granting academic degrees and doctorates of philosophy, use the Summa Theologica of St. Thomas Aquinas as the text of their prelections and comments upon it in the Latin tongue, and let them take particular care to inspire their pupils with a devotion for it. Um, let me see. I think that is... And then, then also I thought, um, yeah, this is about the end. But I thought it was funny, um, th this paragraph right here is... Is notice, notice the language used here. Such is already the laudable custom of many institutions. Such was the rule which the uh, sagacious founder of religious orders, with the hearty approval of our predecessors, desired should be observed in their own houses of study. And the saintly men who came after the time of St. Thomas Aquinas took him and no other as for their supreme teacher philosophy. So also, and not otherwise, will theology recover its pristine glory, and all the sacred studies be restored again to their order and value and province of the intellect and reason flower again in a second spring. What does it sound? The the new springtime of Vatican II. I'm going to say the, the new springtime of a neo and neoscholastic revival. I'm, I'm going to start calling the, the Leon, Leonine Thomism the new springtime, the new springtime of Leonine Thomism. That is that is that is my second spring. That is my second Pentecost. Is um is the Thomistic popes. That is my second Pentecost. Okay, so that is about all. And I'm gonna check the chat to see if there's any questions. There are no questions so far. Speaking of Pius X, when next biographical video out? Uh, that's a good reminder. Um, yeah, I was just thinking about that uh, the other day. Is that I should probably record another one of those videos. Um, tonight is my last night of work for the week, so I should probably have time, um, tomorrow night or the night after to, uh, to prepare my notes to get a video out so soon next few days, but that is all I have for you. Uh, thank you all for showing up. Remember to comment, like subscribe and to, um, when you when you go on Twitter to share this, because you should share this on Twitter, make sure you tag at Byzantine Scotist. Just uh just just to remind him of the supremacy of the angelic doc doctor over this subtle doctor. 
So thank you. And it is actually Ascension Tide. So our Lord has ascended into heaven. Alleluia. Alleluia.